it's being called groundbreaking. A U.S. man with terminal heart disease was implanted with a genetically modified, that's right, a genetically modified pig heart in what is being heralded as a first-of-its-kind surgery. The surgery performed by a team at the University of Maryland and is among the first to demonstrate the feasibility of pig-to-human heart transplants, a field that has been made possible by these new and groundbreaking gene editing tools. And for more on this, let's welcome in medical expert, Dr. Brett Belchitz. He joins us once again here on Global News Radio. Hey, doctor, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here as always. Uh, first off, just uh, how revolutionary, Brett, is this? This is really groundbreaking. It is something that we haven't seen done before. And there are so many many advances that have been occurring in the fields of surgical transplantation as a whole, but also all of the gene editing techniques which have allowed us to alter these animal tissues to be something that could potentially be compatible in a human body. And combined with the learnings over many years of trying to transplant pig organs into animals that are similar to humans, so animals such as baboons, et cetera, and learning over the years what are the critical issues that we would run into? So issues around rejection, issues around blood clotting, issues around the compatible size of the organs. Many of these lessons had to be learned in a very difficult manner over very many years. And then we had to figure out the tools that could correct them. So, so lots of advances required. And to be able to actually successfully transplant a pig organ, a heart, into a human patient and have that be a success in a way that that patient is actually seeing spontaneous blood flow coming from that heart in a manner that is consistent uh, with keeping him alive off of machines for any amount of time. This really is a big development. Yeah, talk to us a bit more, if you could, about the gene editing that's gone on here, because from what I've read and from what I understand, uh, Brett, there were, I think, three genes uh, inside this uh, pig's heart that was uh, they were modified. They were edited to ensure that uh, rejection would not happen in this transplant. Is that correct? So there were three separate issues that needed to be addressed through gene editing. So they actually changed about 10 different genes to have the effects that they needed to make this a success. So one of the biggest areas is rejection. So it's well known that rejection is a big issue in transplantation as a whole. So even if I were to transplant a perfectly matched human heart into you, you would survive, but you would need to be on anti-rejection drugs for the duration of your life to keep your immune system from attacking that heart. And that's even with a perfectly matched human heart. Now, when we add an animal heart into the mix, the rejection factors go up in, in a much, 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 much larger manner. So we see far, far more severe immune reactions against those hearts and, and against those tissues that we would try to transplant. So we needed to modify the genetics of these hearts that we would be looking at potentially transplanting here in a way that it would prevent our immune system from recognizing this as foreign tissue. So that was number one. Number two, one of the issues that has been uncovered over the years trying to do this in animal studies is that we see an incredible amount of blood clotting within these pig hearts when they're transplanted into animals that are similar to humans. So baboons are a frequent uh, animal that we will use for this kind of study. And this clotting can be quite deadly. So when we develop blood clots in our heart, those clots can go out into the circulation. They can cause strokes and a whole number of other very significant consequences. So we needed to figure out something that would stop that blood clotting. And then the third area that was actually very critical and something that, that once you've heard of it, it makes a lot of sense, but you just wouldn't think about it, is that the average pig, uh, when they're fully grown as an adult, weighs about 450 pounds. And so the size of their heart, were you to allow that heart to keep growing, 
it would eventually get to a size where it would not be able to stay inside of a human host. And so we needed to be able to modify the genetics of those hearts such that after about six month age or so of growing, that heart would no longer grow any further. So there's a fine balancing act because we need to be able to transplant the heart at a size where it's capable of supporting a human circulation, but we don't want it to keep growing. So 10 different genes were altered to fix these three problem areas. And Mm. so far it is looking like it was successfully done. Just incredible, incredible and groundbreaking, as you mentioned. Also game changing as well, isn't it, Brett? Because, you know, you and I have talked and I've talked for years on the air here about organ donation and just uh, sadly how demand outstrips the supply when it comes uh, to organs still to this uh, very day. So talk to us a bit about how this could be a game changer for those in need of an organ transplant. It's a huge game changer. So it's really important to note that right now our criteria for who can get access to a transplant is incredibly tight. So there are many patients that we will see in the hospital or out in clinics that we actually won't even put onto our transplant list because either they have another medical condition that concerns us, we worry about their ability to stick with the tight medication regimes that are required when they, when they have a transplant. We're certainly not going to waste that very precious commodity on patients that we don't think are going to do well. So this really potentially opens up the ability to have a transplant to a far larger range of patients than right now would be eligible to receive this kind of life-saving treatment. But even within the current transplant list, right now in Canada, There's about just under 200 heart transplants that occur every single year. But at any given time, there's almost 200 patients that are waiting for a heart transplant. And some patients can wait as long as six months to get access to a heart transplant, sometimes even longer than that. So every year, we will see a dozen or more patients die while they are waiting on the transplant list. And that doesn't include, as I mentioned, all those patients who aren't even eligible to get a transplant. So there are going to be a very significant number of lives saved if we are able to perfect these kinds of procedures. Now, the other thing that I'll mention as well is if we're able to perfect this for hearts, there's no reason to believe that we can't in the future adapt the same procedures to allow other organs to be transplanted from pigs as well. So things like kidneys are next on the researchers list. And certainly when we look at the wait list and the use of kidney transplants, there's in fact far more kidney transplants happening in Canada than even heart transplants. So there's almost 2,000 of those occurring every single year in Canada, and there's over 3,000 people on the wait list at any given time. So there really is a huge application for this across this country. Yeah, that was my very next question. And not only is this a game changer when it comes to organ donation and the possibility of other organs being harvested and donated in saving human lives, but just I guess, how exciting is it right now in the medical field, the medical community, uh, when it comes to some of these uh, changes that are really coming to fruition, whether it's what we're talking about right now, I'm thinking about that face transplant from a year or two ago uh, as well. It just really is remarkable. Some of the some of the advancements we're seeing right now in medicine. Well, it absolutely is remarkable. And I think we're reaching a point where Many of our older means of treating illnesses, I think we've reached a point where we're not going to see the kind of advances at the same kind of pace that we used to see in the past. So if you go back to the early 20th century, we were able to save lives at phenomenal rates by developing new medications through years of research, you know, looking at natural sources like plants where we would develop new antibiotics, where there were low-hanging fruit in the areas of heart attack therapy, where there were just easy medications that we could administer for things like cholesterol and blood pressure and easy therapeutics we could administer to unclog arteries. But we've reached a point where those kinds of advances are very few and far between. And so what we're starting to see is that the new areas of advances, those things that are going to make tremendous differences, 
These come from an entirely new approach to healthcare that is much more guided, much more targeted, much more based on advanced therapeutics that involve genetics and other types of things that just didn't exist 100 years ago. So we look even at the mRNA vaccines that were used to develop some of the COVID therapeutics that we have right now. The technologies to do that, those didn't exist 50 years ago. Those kinds of vaccines wouldn't have been dreamed of. And we're looking even at those kinds of therapeutics being used for things like cancer prevention in the future as well. And so we're really in a bold new era in areas like transplant and areas like vaccination, where our understanding of genetics and ability to manipulate genetics really does potentially unlock an entirely new era of medical improvement. So it is very, very exciting. Mm -hmm. Just finally, back to this 57-year-old who has received this uh, genetically edited uh, pig's heart. I think it's three days in now, so far so good, but uh, when will researchers, when will doctors, uh, when can they call this a complete success, do you think, Brett? I think what we're going to want to see, first of all, he's being weaned off of his heart-lung machine, which is supporting him right now. So to be clear, that is something that happens after almost any transplant. So this wouldn't be particular to this one. So we need to see that this heart can keep him alive once he goes off of the machines. So that will be the first stage of success. If we can get him off of machines, this is a gentleman that was predicted to never walk outside of a hospital again. So if he's able to set foot out of that hospital, have even just a short period of quality of life, not being on life support, this will be a bit of a win. But I think what we'd be looking to see is at least some meaningful extension of life and not just life, but quality of life as well. So we'd be looking to see at least a several month period in which he's be able to do well outside of the hospital, not on life support for us to say, this is a really meaningful thing. And one of the things that we also look at as well here is can he be kept alive long enough using this pig heart that he could potentially in future, if he's eligible for a human heart, could this keep him alive long enough to make it and survive on the waiting list? Because that would ultimately be the initial arbiter of success or the initial way that we would judge it, that we don't want people dying on waiting lists for human hearts. So even if it's just that short duration to bridge that wait, that would be a huge success in the field. All right, just some amazing, amazing stuff. Brett, appreciate the time, and thanks for breaking it all down for us. My pleasure. You have a great day and stay well. All right, you too. Dr. Brett Belchett's with us, and we're back after this on Global News Radio. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.